0: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast, Uh, as is the case most every week. uh, It is me, your host, Matt Collins, uh, and I am joined once again by Brian Joyner. Uh, We are speaking on Tuesday afternoon, so um, as we typically do, this is taking place before Tuesday's game. We do not know what is happening in the second game of the Mariner series, uh, but we do know what happened in the first game, and is that is, uh, that is that the Red Sox lost again? Um, and it is that they lost another one-run game, uh, another close and frustrating one. Uh, so before we get into that, Brian, what's what's going on? Man, I hope we do not drop the ball today. Well, defense, Joe. Yeah, that is a as good a segue as any uh, to get into what I think is the. I mean, this is the crux of what's going on with the Red Sox right now. Definitely the biggest topic, um, and it came into play yet again on Monday. Uh, that is the defense. Red Sox defense hasn't really been great all year. Um, they've, take, they've taken their ineptitude to a new level over the last month or so. Um, Monday night, it was Kyle Schwarber uh, as the culprit of the big error um, in the seventh inning, made a two out. Error just botched a pretty routine ground ball, kept the inning going. Seattle would ultimately get a three-run home run that ended up winning them the game. Um, And this seems to be something that is happening almost every day. There's an error to point to um, that is costing them games, and that wasn't even the only error of the night on Monday. Um, There's a lot of flaws with the Red Sox right now, I don't think. Um, there's the defense is the only thing holding them back. But if there is one thing that is going to keep them out of the postseason, which if the playoffs started today, they would technically be out of it, um, is defense the number one thing, or is there something that you're even more concerned about than the defense?
1: I mean, it's losing all these games. <laughs> yeah, well, first and
0: foremost,
1: <laughs> I mean they've they've had some close games where um, they haven't scored a lot of runs. And that if they had scored runs, like they lost two to one to the White Sox, that's you know that's to a be fair, they are facing problem. Lance
0: Lynn, but yeah. Yeah, I don't want to
1: hear about Lance Lynn. <laughs> it's all fake. I know, you know, I know what's But the I just after that Verdugo play, uh I, I I just can't my feelings on the trade are well known, but with Jeter downs struggling and Alex Verdugo, unable to catch a ball just doesn't feel good right now. I mean, that was just, it was just bad. The The amazing part is they have Hunter Renfro who's very good at defense and they're still just garbage.
0: Well, the thing about Renfro, um, and this honestly wasn't something that I was aware of, um, He's making a ton of errors too. I think he has the most errors on the team um, since the All Star break, or something along those lines. I think I'm botching that stat a little bit. But um, Pete Abraham tweeted something about out about the number of errors he's made. He has sixteen, no, he has uh, ten on the season, um, and he's. I mean, he's had his issues too. He's like a boomer bus guy, but obviously, um, I think he's still a net positive, and um, he does so many other things well. But for Dugos' defense, I think is really what. Is killing them right now he cannot play center field and the best the best possible lineup for this team would be Verdugo and center field but you just can't do it and it's just creating a lot of a lot of fit problems and it's making them choose between defense and offense um, a lot of the time and I don't I don't really know how you fix it. It's something that I've been thinking about for the last few weeks, and I don't really think there is a good answer. I'm curious where you land on this. Where do you play Kyle Schwarber? Where do you play JD Martinez? Where do you, do you play Bobby Dahlbeck? I mean, what, what is the answer here? How do you make all the pieces fit in a cohesive way? If it's possible,
1: I'm surprised you don't have an answer. Cause I have a very good one for this. Just make a deal with the trade deadline for somebody who can play defense. <laughs> Duh. I think,
0: I mean, I even that, I don't know that that solves the issue. I mean, I was obviously right there with everybody wanting a first baseman, but Dahlbeck has been um, much better offensively, and you kind of want him in the lineup. And I think it's just more so that Schwarber and J.D. Martinez are too repetitive, and it's just, you can't really go a game without sitting one of, Verdugo, Martinez, Schwarber, or Dahlbeck. Um, And I don't really feel great about sitting any of them. I mean, I think you probably have to go Verdugo, but um, for as much as Verdugo can be frustrating in the field sometimes, I think the lineup is still better with him. I don't know. There's just not an answer, I don't think. Yeah, that, I mean, that is the
1: answer, is that there's no good answer, which is why in the last six weeks they've gone from the top of the AL East to out right now as a recording of a wild card spot that and the fact that toronto realized what we said um the whole year was that if they add a starter at the trade deadline they might be unstoppable and they waited and waited and waited and waited and now they're unstoppable um now maybe they'll come crashing back to earth like the yankees did thank you acevis but uh i doubt it and it, the Red Sox are a flawed team. I mean, that's the short answer. They're a flawed team, and this is there's no even when they had everyone at full strength, their lineups were questionable. To put it um, mildly, it was a it was a topic, especially the leadoff spot. Then Kike started hitting, but recently with the uh, the COVID stuff, obviously they've been working in a constrained environment to fill out these lineups but even if everyone is at full strength now there are going to be holes offensively defensively you name it in whatever lineup you put lineup you put out there
0: yeah i mean i think um i know on monday there are a lot of people complaining about Dalbeck not being in the lineup and I get that I feel like he probably should be in the lineup pretty much every day but um, it just it feels hard to blame Cora specifically talking about the lineup um, making out the lineup because I, I just don't know what else to do but I if you had to pick somebody to get the bulk of the time on the bench between Schwarber, Martinez, Verdugo, Dalbeck is it who do you go with? I don't. Like I said, I don't think there's a good answer. But if you had to pick somebody, who would you pick? Now, I kind of think that
1: this is a false choice. Or
0: you could you could do Iglesias too just, and put Verdugo in center, but
1: I think it's just rotational. I mean, it's just. I mean, I, let me tell you what I think that. What I think Alex Cora thinks is that Iglesias is very important to have out there because. He's been out there pretty much
0: every game. He was the offense on Monday for most of the game. (laughs) See, that's all. what you expect from Jose Iglesias. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But I think the other guys is just going to be rotation. I don't think there's much rotation based on playing time and um, handedness of pitcher. Now, I got to say, this doesn't speak well of J.D. Martinez, who's supposed Mm -hmm. to be good enough. That he's in there every day, but
0: obviously that's just not the case at the moment. He was dealing with some back spasm issues, which is definitely concerning. But I think Martinez has to be um, at least considered to getting some of these days off. I mean, I still think obviously he's still been one of the best hitters um, on the team, looking at the whole season. But he's he has not been good lately, and frankly, Kyle Schwarber has not been good either. It's been those are the two guys who you would expect you need their lineup. Uh, you need their bat in the lineup every day, but they've been the struggling guys. Um, again, we're recording, recording this Tuesday afternoon, but I'm assuming he is, Schwarber is going to be benched today. They're facing a lefty, and he has just looked awful at the plate, so that makes the decision a little bit easier. But um, I don't know. I mean, when Martinez and Schwarber aren't swinging the bat, it's it's just a disaster because you feel like you need their bats in the lineup every day, but they are just not producing right now. Um, so then when you're, if we look a little bit longer term, um, I, again, I don't think there's all that much that can be done defensively for this season, other than, uh, just hope for the best hope that they don't make these errors. Um, that is not really working out, but there's not really another solution on the horizon. But as we look forward, um, to next season and beyond center field, is becoming something of a question. I think there was some hope that Verdugo could handle it. Um, I think Kike Hernandez does fine out there, but I would prefer him at second base. I think that the lineup just fits better when he's at second base. Jaron Duran obviously is part of the equation now as well, Uh, but Duran has his own defensive issues. He's... He was an infielder his whole life. He just started playing outfield when he got drafted in 2018. He does not have a lot of experience in the outfield. Um, the athleticism is obviously there, but he does not make the best reads. His arm is average at best. Um, do you see them targeting a real center fielder, or do you think they're going to go with some sort of Taran Kike Hernandez, maybe Alex Verdugo, again combination. Do you think they're gonna take a similar approach or do you think they're gonna I don't know who's out there for center fielders to be honest. I think Starling Marte will probably be towards the top of the class. But even if it's not a Starling Marte type, do you think they that is something that they're gonna address as the middle of the outfield defense, or are we gonna see the same kind of approach that you just hope for the best?
1: First of all, if I was a lawyer, I would object to this when you said a real center fielder. That's leading the witness but the witness will not follow you into this. Well, I'm not a lawyer. so. Well, I will not follow you anyway. Um, especially not now um, because I think that they'll try out Duran. And I don't think that for any reason, having to do anything with Duran more as I believe it with the faith that they've shown in Dahlbeck um, or the, the rope that they gave Dahlbeck. Now, it's a little different situation, but at the time, like there were times this year where we were questioning the wisdom of having Dahlbeck over there. And I believe, I mean, I'm pretty sure he has surpassed even the wildest dreams of like his family over the last two months, you know, <laughs> um, he's, he's been incredible and that, you know, good for them. So good for everybody. Good for us. But I think that, between them being very cheap and them needing some time to develop. And as they said this year at the trade deadline, this is a long-term project. I think that Duran is the guy. And I think that we maybe are just a little bit too eager to throw dirt on the, on, on Duran or anybody like we did with, we did the same thing with Dahlbeck and we've talked about, these minor league hitters have had trouble adjusting. They have had trouble, but a lot of you see a lot of them adjust. Um, you see the adjustments happen. Um, so, yeah.
0: So I think I think I didn't explain myself very well. Um, I'm not just talking Durant, about hitting either. I'm talking about, I know you're talking about fielding. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I think the other path that they could take, and I think it's an interesting one, is to look, and we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago, is to consider a trade um, involving Verdugo or Renfro um, and then putting Duran in a corner um, and being able to hide that defense a little more or just kind of sticking through. And obviously there's a lot of moving pieces to that. We don't know what the trade market would look like for either of those guys or anything, but um, that was more the case. I I definitely think Duran should and will be a significant part of the offense. Um, I think he'll probably play something like 120 games if he's healthy, but um, I'm just curious how much of that will be in center field, especially with the bad defensive taste left in everybody's mouth over the last six weeks.
1: They should trade Alex Verdugo for a
0: package, including
1: (laughs) no, no, no Jackie Bradley jr.
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, JVJ has been just awful this year.
1: Yeah. but
0: he's not been good. Um, A little better defensively than what they have um the other long-term thing um and this is something we've been talking about it seems like for a decade um but i guess we've been talking about it for at least a couple years now um is the left side of the infield devers and bogarts is the bad defense going for the team going to motivate this team to change one or either their positions um with Bogarts, it is worth noting that the shortstop class uh, coming into free agency this year is stacked. Um, we know Bloom's history of spending, but um, I think there's still at least a little bit room, a little bit of room for optimism. Um, perhaps misguided, but I'm still feeling a little bit of optimism. They'll spend a little money. It doesn't make sense, or do you think that Bogarts will be moved, or Devers will be moved, or both will be moved um, as soon as next season, or are they going to stick with this again next year?
1: First of all, I don't know if we've been talking about this for two years. I know it feels like it, but I don't think so. I think this is, I think we've been
0: talking about Devers moving off third base for a couple years now. And I think that's far more likely than Xander moving, frankly. I I mean, Xander
1: seems like a sort of repeat of a Derek Jeter situation to not, not, not totally, but in that he's, he's the shortstop and he's, and like, that's sort of end of story. Uh, even
0: So if, you're saying say, they're gonna sign Carlos Correa or Frank, Trevor no, 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 uh, Trevor yeah, Story I, mean, Trevor I forget who else, yeah. who else is out there. Marcus Semien. <sighs> Holy by the way,
1: many props to Marcus Semyon. What just incredible. I mean Blue Jays have a lot of things going on. Obviously I wish the Red Sox were ahead of them, but that dude is just mashing this year. Anyhow, yeah, I mean, I. it seems almost likely at this point that Devers moves, um, and since it seems likely to happen at some point, I don't know why it would be later rather than sooner. Do you think it's finally time to pull the trigger on that? Uh,
0: Next year. No, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't, yeah, no, not this year. Um, I don't... <laughs> I don't think he's going to be any better anywhere else. Um, I don't think a move to first base uh, will make him better, and I don't think it really helps the team because you have your best prospect is coming up soon um, at first base. I think the place for Devers is probably DH and just let him hit, Um, but J.D. Martinez probably isn't opting out, Um, and even if he did, I think they would probably look to bring back Schwarber. So I think Devers is going to survive another year. I will say I wouldn't be surprised and again this isn't next year, but two years down the road, say when DH that DH spot opens, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Bogart's moved over to third base. I probably still would bet on him sticking at shortstop for a long time, like he said, sort of the Jeter comparison. Um but I think the best the best use of those players is Devers as a DH and Bogart's as a third baseman. Um I like, like I said, I don't see that. I definitely don't see that happening next year. I'm not sure I ever see that happening, but I just feel like that's the best use of their skill sets. I, I just think with Devers, his mistakes are always mental, and I don't know, I don't really know how that translates any better the first base than it would uh, third base, especially first base. You're involved in more plays.
1: And this assumes that, and I mean, I don't think they will at this point. But this assumes they don't trade Bobby D. Or, I'm not even going to say trade Tristan. Trade Tristan Cassis. Um, because there's a little logjam, no matter what, there's going to be a lot I mean, assuming JD sticks with the team, which, I don't know, maybe JD is so in flux that he has a come to a service moment and decides to leave the Acevis house can't. the I, I can't see it, but... Yeah, I just can't
0: imagine. Um... I Also, with the defense, Um, I, it kind of feels to me that Alex Cora is skirting a lot of the blame. He's not really getting, like, everybody's talking about the defense, but it doesn't really seem to be coming down on Cora. And I said earlier I don't blame him um, for the lineup makeup, and I certainly don't. It's not his fault that the roster just has so many uh, pieces that don't fit well together. But I think he got so much praise for the way they played early in the season, and he really harped in spring training, um, almost every day on them playing clean baseball and, um, playing good defense. And I don't know, I just, I've been a little frustrated, I think, with the, um, the lamestream media's coverage of Cora. It just feels like the coaching staff needs to be taking a, a bigger chunk of the, bl- um, blame. And I, I would assume that's probably happening on sports radio. And am as I'm getting older, I think my, uh, my, 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 Similarities to sports radio are becoming um, a little more concerning, but I don't know. I was just curious if you had any thoughts on on the coaching staff here because it does feel like when it's a it's as endemic for the whole team as it is. Um, I think the coaching
1: staff has to get some of the blame. Well, this could be a stopped clock moment for the sports radio crowd. I mean, if they've been mad, about, look when they're winning. It's as I said, the whole first half of the season we're talking about the lineups. I kept saying like, well, they're winning. So like, they're not going to change anything. Um, and obviously process wise, that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but I absolutely think that Alex Cora shoulders some blame for this. I mean, this is happening before our eyes um, and not, a drop off to this degree but to some degree because of the discrepancies with say the lineup early in the season and the optimal and optimal lineup or anything close to it people have been predicting a little bit of backsliding and get that there's been more than expected could just be more regression than you know an aberrant amount of regression but there could be reasons for it too and I don't know. I mean, I know that the COVID spread is wreaking havoc with the team. And I don't want to get into a thing about COVID. But A, they could all just get vaccinated. And B, just you gotta be better than this. I mean, I don't yeah. know any, any way to say it other than that. It's like at some point the excuse only goes so far. And I just, man, I just, every win now is, just, is pretty much every win now is still pulling teeth. And I know that there were some close losses, but it's, um it's just, It's tough. I mean, still, in aggregate, they are sort of... Right now, they've come back to a a range that we saw them in at the beginning of the year. So, still, it could just be normal regression. But at the same time, when you're in first place on, like, August 1st, or, you know, close to it, uh, you don't want to regress this much. You want to do everything possible to... Step on the gas, and they made it. I mean, Heimloom made it very clear they're thinking long term, and in the short term, the problems are not, do not seem to simply be, um, rot, the actual constitution of the roster or medical related. It also seems to be a, a management issue, and the manager is Alex Core.
0: No, I mean, that's right, and uh. Like you, I'm not super interested in delving too much into the COVID issue, and um, I think it is a little more complicated than them being one of the few teams under the vaccination level because there's been so many breakthrough cases, and we've seen teams that did get over 85% experience their own breakouts, but at the same time, um, them not reaching that level if you're looking for one person to blame, it has to be the manager. I mean, he's the guy that um, he's supposed to be able to get everybody to buy in. And he clearly hasn't done that. And I mean, Chris sale tested positive and he was in the dugout not long before that, not wearing a mask. And it's become pretty clear um, since he tested positive that he was not vaccinated. So, I mean, just little things like that, um, I think count against Cora. And I mean, I don't know. I still think Cora is a good manager, but, Between this year and 2019, I don't know. I I no longer think that he's one of the best managers in the league, which is something that I thought um, before the season started. I mean, I still think he's a
1: good manager of people in the way... I mean, I think the team loves him. um, And that's very important. And I'm not going to overlook that. I also don't... You know, baseball players are stubborn, so I don't necessarily put it on him that more people aren't vaccinated um, because I think he's trying to be a players manager in that sense, too. Not that that's right. I would say that he's just, in, in that case, he's in a very difficult position. Um, I wish he would be more like, say, Bruce Arians, who was basically like, "You have a choice," but I mean, the the thing about football is
0: very contract, different
1: relationship between right coach. And well, it's player. very different, and the contracts. So they're yeah. basically like, "You want the yeah, NFL play, contracts
0: don't actually exist." Is my right? Understanding.
1: So so with, like unless you like anyone who's less good than say like Cole Beasley is probably like the the floor of of how good you have to be um to get away with that nonsense i mean sorry i don't you people are going to listen to this flaunt flaunting it is the nonsense that's what i'm saying is the nonsense um i don't necessarily blame him for that but the lineups have never been even close to optimal they have been designed to put certain archetypes of players in certain places based on alex core's understanding of the game which i think um when he has the best ingredients has worked really well but he doesn't and he hasn't changed his approach and i don't think it has helped them
0: yeah i mean i think that's right and i as far as the the last thing about the vaccination, it's certainly more on the players than anybody else. Chris Sale not being vaccinated, not wearing a mask, um, while in the same dugout as Eduardo Rodriguez, who obviously went through all that last year. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, that's on him, but, um, yeah, we don't have to harp on that stuff anymore. Um, I do want to, uh, run through where we're at in the wild card race, um, right now because, um, as jim bowden once famously said uh they should call it the wild wild card uh, he was talking about the game but we can call it the wild wild card race uh because things are uh pretty nutty right now uh red sox are i don't know they're in one way they're technically tied with the yankees for the second spot um in the standings they are both the same number of games back um In the division, uh, the Yankees have a one-game lead in the loss column. They have a slight lead in percentage points, so do with that what you will. Um, In terms of fan graphs, playoff odds... They have it really as a three team race. Uh, they have the Blue Jays playoff odds at 72.5. They have the Red Sox at 63. They have the Yankees at 55.7. And then the A's and Mariners are both, uh, 5% or less. Um, but they are also, they are both within three games of, or I believe two and a half games of the, uh, of the second spot, which, uh, the Red Sox and Yankees hold right now. So, Uh, Looking ahead, the Red Sox, the rest of the Red Sox schedule, uh, they finish up this series in Seattle. Um, Again, we've only seen one game. By the time you're listening to this, we will have played two. And then they have three against Baltimore, uh, two against the Mets, three against the Yankees, three... Uh, against Baltimore, and then three against Washington. So it is a fairly soft schedule down the stretch um, besides those five games against the New York teams, and even the Mets are strange, and obviously the Yankees have been a little bit of a mess. But um, it kind of seems to me, and I want to go quickly through the rest of the teams in a second, but just looking at the Red Sox schedule and looking at how things stand right now, um, I think the Blue Jays are basically locked into one of those spots. I know by record they're not really ahead by that much, but just on paper they just seem so much better. I'm kind of penciling in them into one of the spots and then it's four teams for the other spot. And the Red Sox and Yankees seem to be far ahead, especially by those fangrass playoff odds. Does it, it, does it feel to you like it does to me that the season's almost going to entirely come down to that three-game series against the Yankees? Well...
1: The Yankees are garbage, so that helps. And the Blue Jays are on one right now. And I also I agree with you. I'll pencil them in for a spot. So we're in a beautiful situation where if the Red Sox are going to make it, it will be at the expense of the Yankees, thus killing two birds with one stone. Otherwise, I think Toronto will end up, uh, hopefully, unfortunately Garrett Cole exists, but um, end up, Killing the other bird But I I, Outside of that two week stretch The Yankees had They've just not been good And so I I sort of feel right now Like the Red Sox Have um, Have an edge Because They just Even if they've been Bumpy recently They just have a, a Longer track record of playing At a slightly higher level Than the Yankees So I feel somewhat confident about making the wildcard game. Um, That's, I mean, I don't know if it's a three-way, three-way race. I mean, I, again, I live in New York and people are so down about the Yankees around here. It's hard not to internalize that, I guess. Um, I'm not, if we're talking about between these three teams, if you're going to throw in the other teams, then I don't know, man. But if we're talking about these three teams, Whatever, I'm going to speak it into existence. Get the Yankees <laughs> out of here.
0: So my, my concern with the Yankees um, is that they have a chance to kind of build a little momentum and probably more importantly, a little bit of a cushion, um, potentially, if the Red Sox let them. Because the Yankees, the end of the Yankee season is tough. Their last three series are... In Boston, in Toronto, and then they finish at home against Tampa. Um, who knows what Tampa will actually be playing for in that series, but I think it's they, are, they have enough depth that that'll be tough no matter what. Uh, but before that, they have... Tonight they start a three-game series against Baltimore, and then they play three against Cleveland, and then they play three against Texas. Um, they have a real chance to really kind of get, like I said, get back on track now. They've had stretches against bad teams before. They lost two out of three um, at the start of the month against uh, Baltimore. They lost two out of three against the Angels. Um, it's certainly no guarantee that they're going to be able to beat up on those teams, but that is my concern with the Yankees, is just that they have their next 12 games are against um, objectively bad teams.
1: Yeah, but they've been objectively bad, so... Um... Let's see how that goes. I don't know if they've been
0: Baltimore bad, but no, no. I mean, it's fair. Um, And then as far as Toronto goes. Does that Brandon Hyde
1: tackle them all?
0: (laughs) He will. Um, Or maybe he's just mad about Robbie Ray's pants, but I'm not really sure. Um, But, yeah, Toronto, I think the interesting thing for Toronto is that there's still a – outside chance that they can make the division interesting they probably can't um so they're eight games out right now but they have five games left against the Rays if they somehow manage to win all five of those games um the division will be interesting again but I I I just think Toronto I hesitate to call them I kind of want to call them the World Series favorites or at least the American League favorites I hesitate to do that just because the wild card game exists, and anything can happen in one game. And like you said, Garrett Cole exists, or if it's against the Red Sox, Chris Sale exists. Um, but man, if the if the Blue Jays do make it to the divisional round, I just don't. I, I don't know how anybody beats them. They're so good.
1: Yeah, I mean, this has been what they've been building toward, and you know, they, unlike the Red Sox, saw the trade down line and said, "No, this is it. This is what we're building." This is what we're building at. And they're just playing. They're peaking at the right time or right before the right time. But, you know, horseshoes and hand grenades and maybe the playoff race. Um, They're extremely good. They're terrifying. As long as the Yankees don't do anything, I'm sort of, I'm very pro Blue Jays in a Red Sox neutral situation. Uh, when it comes to the Red Sox, I would like the Red Sox to beat them, but I would hope so. Yes, yes. So I mean, I think that the oh god, no, no. I'm, I'm I I said my piece.
0: I was just gonna say I think the thing for the Blue Jays. I mean, obviously the trade deadline getting Barrios um, was huge, and obviously they went big in free agency with George Springer. But the big thing to me is just how how well they hit on Semien and Ray. Because, um, I mean, those are guys, they were probably a tier above where the Red Sox went. I mean, the Red Sox got... I think the Red Sox did objectively well in free agency with guys like Kiki Hernandez and Hunter Renfro. They have been very good players. But Toronto went out and gave one-year deals to guys who are going to finish top three. One guy is going to finish top three in MVP or at least top five, and then another guy who's going to finish top three and maybe win the Cy Young. Um, and and I'll, I'll speak just for myself. I I liked Semyon coming into the air. I did not like Robbie Ray. I thought Robbie Ray stunk, um, and he's the best pitcher on the team. He's probably going to start. He probably starts the wild card game for them, right? I mean, I know Barrios has been awesome, too, and Ryu is awesome, but it's, I think it's got to be Robbie Ray.
1: It'll make a lot of the viewers happy, I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> yes. That that is true. Um Yeah, so that's sort of where we're at with the wild card again. Oakland and Seattle. I think Fangraph's giving them a five percent chance for Oakland, four percent for Seattle, that feels a little extreme. I don't think they're that far out of it, but they definitely seem they definitely seem to be um behind the red sox and yankees even for all the flaws that they have um are you, do you agree that five percent gives them too short of a chance or do you are you pretty much writing them off as well
1: well let's see what happens with the remainder of this series because this that series would, is huge yeah yeah d- d- you know change depending on the result tonight when people listen to this it could I would imagine if the Mariners win, they're going to get a substantial bump there. Um, Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, they are. So, yeah, I don't understand the Mariners. (laughs) I just, I just don't get how they are here. Um, I do think their pitching is better than people give them credit for. Um, During Monday's game, I got, I heard a lot of people on Twitter saying that they were getting beat by a terrible pitcher and i just uh, logan gilbert is not a terrible pitcher he's very talented much better than his era um indicates but that offense just does not impress me and it's it's just wild that they're still in this race i don't i don't quite understand
1: all this for another astros dodgers world series isn't it gonna be annoying uh, i i mean i actually know it'll be fun uh, it'll be
0: really fun <laughs> that would be awesome i'm i think it's gonna be another um Tampa Dodgers World Series, and that I don't think would be as fun.
1: I mean, definitely Astros Dodgers would be fun just because it would be football. Um, and Blue Jays <laughs> Dodgers would be fun because it would just be like the, total I mean, the talent absurd. on the field
0: would be absurd.
1: Yeah, um, White Sox fans, whatever, deal with it. Go go win it, <laughs> and then come back. Come back. it's gonna be like white plan.
0: Sox, brewers or something stupid no it's gonna be the dodgers <laughs> <laughs> probably gonna be the dodgers um all right a couple other things uh to hit on or right, i guess i should say where um so you you do think it's you have the red sox over the yankees right now it's like a coin Are flip you? yeah but- okay well that's kind of where i'm at um I would probably go fifty-fifty between those two, and it just really feels like it's setting up to whoever wins two out of three of that series is going to be the wild card. And uh, good news is that is it that is that it's at Fenway. I guess I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, a couple other things I wanted to talk about, uh, starting with uh, prospect stuff. Uh, Baseball America just did their final a major update to the top 100 list before the end of the season nick york is all the way up to 64 uh he's he top 50 by the end of the season in baseball or by the start of next season i should say
1: i mean probably in some lists i i kind of don't even make a giant distinction between like
0: 30 and probably not no i mean Uh, that's the correct way to do it but yeah
1: yeah he's pretty i mean if he finishes strong, of course, cause there's going to be a whole off season and recency bias and it's not necessarily wrong is going to, is going to push him up. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, somebody will have him top 50 for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and I mean, I think Kylie McDaniel said that he's already almost there for him. Um, obviously he's already almost here for baseball America. I mean, it's just, he's been so impressive that he's been better since getting promoted to Greenville, um, it's just been kind of wacky. And now the Red Sox have four guys in the top 64. Uh, they have three guys in the top 30. Uh, Casas was, oh, I don't have it in front of me. I'm, I believe Casas was 19. Uh, Marcelo Meyer was somewhere in like the 29 to 30 range, something like that. And then uh, Jaron Duran was 37. So uh, Red Sox farm system has lacked top end talent for a couple of years, but they have, they have some interesting guys now. So if you're looking for some... Uh, some positivity. There it is. That's about all you're gonna and get.
1: I believe MLB Pipeline has uh my, Mayor number one, um, over Casas.
0: I thought even baseball. I was like, well, that's absurd. But I guess I could see it. I wouldn't go there. Um, but I mean, middle infielder versus first baseman is probably um enough for it to at least be a conversation.
1: Also, like right now, there's a lot of range of outcomes, and it's. I think it's sort of aiming at the higher end
0: of the range of outcomes yeah. yeah to be honest mlb pipelines rankings are always a little strange to me but um i will uh i will admit they know more than me um all right I've, I've seen this conversation happen a few times i went on the radio a couple days ago and they asked me about it i don't know why it's a conversation but uh we're gonna participate in a little discourse here if the wild card game was today and the red Sox were in it everybody was rested they could do whatever they wanted um Are you starting Nate Ivaldi over Chris Sale?
1: I cannot believe anyone would ask this question in actual good faith. Because no, I wouldn't. (laughs) No, I would not. I would start Chris Sale. And then if I had to, I'd bring in Nathan Ivaldi. Like, I, I don't know. I'd start Chris Sale.
0: Chris Sale i'll start off by saying i agree with you i think there is um some merit to the idea that sale coming off an injury maybe you just want him to let it fly for an inning and you want to save him for later in the game uh but i i just don't i don't think that's the case he hasn't really looked like a guy who needs to be treated like that um but the real answer is that the wild card game isn't today and uh I could see myself changing my mind if sale is just good the rest of the way. And if Ivaldi is dominant for the rest of the season, I might change my mind. Uh, but right now, I think it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had that question asked me multiple times, and it's getting... I figured Ivaldi, it was something to address.
1: Ivaldi will not... I, just no. It's just not. The whole reason... <laughs> they brought back Sale this way was to have him available to do this very thing if needed.
0: Well, I, th- I think the real answer is that or my real answer is that this race is going to go down to the wire and I don't think they're going to really be able to set things up necessarily exactly how they want. Um,
1: that makes because, yeah, that makes way more sense. Yeah. but
0: uh, Alright, one last thing about Eduardo Rodriguez looking a little bit into the future. Rodriguez had kind of a weird start on Monday. Um, early on it looked like he wasn't even going to make it through four ended up making it through six it's just such a strange season for him and he's obviously a free agent after the year Um, how aggressively do you think the red sox should be going after him do you think um, would you be willing to go multiple years or would you say um, pillow contract or nothing
1: Man, I don't know. He's had a whole... It's not just this season that's weird. His whole career
0: has been weird. Yeah, he's a bizarre, um, bizarre pitcher.
1: So it's kind of hard for me to gauge what they want to or even should do with him. But you exhorted him to, to turn it on yesterday. What do you think they should do?
0: I mean, as a person whose job it is to talk about the Red Sox, I would like Eduardo Rodriguez to stick around because I just think he is so fascinating. Uh, but from a baseball perspective, I think I'd probably just let him go and just, I think it might just be better for everyone to just let him go and flourish somewhere else. I still think he can be really good. And I mean, he, we've seen him be very good. It's just, I don't know, the inconsistent inconsistency is kind of maddening. And I I would probably just say, maybe another staff can get more consistency out of him, and then maybe the Red Sox can use the money that they would spend on him for somebody that they can get more consistency from. It just seems—I feel like it probably seems best for everybody to just go in a different direction. But again, just like the wild card starter thing, they don't have to make that decision right now. And uh, yeah, he yeah, does seem like, I a, think... like a Cardinals Devil Magic candidate. Uh, I I was thinking more Rays. I have a bad feeling he's going to be like the ace of Tampa staff next year, Uh, which would be a waking nightmare. All right. Uh, so that is going to do it for today's show. Uh, we hope you, uh, enjoyed this episode. If so, uh, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if applicable, uh, leave a rating and a review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the over the monster account at over the monster. Brian is at Brian Joiner. Uh, Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. And you can find all of our writing and the rest of our podcasts at overthemonster.com. And uh, we will be back with you next week.